Blog Talk Radio. I always got to wait for that Blog Talk Radio. You guys know that who've been with us for 14 years. The 14 years we've been on the air. How many times have I started into the show and then I Blog Talk Radio cuts into what I say, so I always wait. But good morning, good morning, good Saturday morning to you. The first awesome Saturday in April 2019. I want to start with this thought before I introduce the show and our awesome guest to you this morning. And the thought is from Paulo Coho, there is only one thing that makes a dream impossible to achieve, the fear of failure. There is only one thing that makes a dream impossible to achieve, the fear of failure. Just something for you to chew on as you go through your day and work to make whatever your dreams are come true. And if you're looking to sell more books, you definitely came to the right place for our guest today has specialty in that area. So that's one dream. You can let go of that fear. Hopefully, if you do have that fear of failing, like I don't I wanna write a book but I'm not gonna write a book because I'm scared that my book won't sell. Hopefully this this show will help to alleviate that fear in you so you may go on to realize that one dream. And I want to tell you guys before we go any further, there is still time for you to reach out to your family, your friends, your colleagues, your neighbors, and tell them to tune in to Off the Shelf Radio right now. It's 11 o'clock and we are going live. The dial-in number is 347-994-3490. Again, that's 347-994-3490. You've been here with us for 14 years. You know the guests we've brought and how blessed you've been. Share that with somebody. Don't 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 let somebody else miss out. And all you got to do is tell them to dial 347-994-3490, or they can come in via the link to Off the Shelf. If you search Denise Turney Off the Shelf, it should come right up at the top. can tune in via the chat room, or we got people who log in via iTunes. There's so many ways that people connect to Off the Shelf Radio. But our guest hasn't started yet, so you won't miss anything if you catch the show right now. So I want to welcome you again to our April the 6th show this morning. Before we go any further, how good of a mystery sleuth are you? Are you good at figuring out who did it? The the author has presented either there's a murder that took place, something's happened in this story, who is responsible? And as you get to to witness the characters, the motivations, the things that, the pluses, the things that, the, the, the dark, shadowy part of each character. Hmm, I wonder who really would be the perfect person to have done that. If that's something that intrigues you, you you, you, you on television, you like to watch the, the, the shows, the murder mysteries, or for me, like the Columbos, the Agatha Christie's, I'm trying to think of the other shows. Uh, somebody told me about another one uh, that came out years ago, and I can't think of the title of it. But these are very popular TV shows. So a lot of people are interested in who done it. How can I figure out who did it or why they did it? If that interests you, but even more if you value relationships, you like to see how we influence and impact each other. There's a complicated father and son relationship in this story. 
the father has untreated alcoholism. The son is very gifted as an athlete, and he's also academically gifted. He gets a scholarship to uh, well, from several schools, but which school is he going to? It, it, it's going to impact his future. When he does get to college, he meets his soulmate. And that's something a lot of people don't believe in. Sometimes I don't, but she they are really meant to be together. And his name is Raymond, and her name is Brenda. What else does he meet in college? Four friends, and one of them is involved in his murder mystery. If you value mystery and relationships, I really, really encourage you to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me right now. You can get it in ebook or in print form. Amazon, Walmart, uh, uh, there's just so many different places that you can get Love Pour Over Me. If you don't see it, just ask the bookseller, can I get a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney? And they can get you a copy because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. So please get a copy and let me know how you enjoy Love Pour Over Me. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And this morning, our guest for Off the Shelf is Liz Lawless. Now, Liz comes from a long line of independent, gritty women. And I was doing the research. I said, wow, look, look, she's got uh, that in her blood. Her mother opened a Christian bookstore in 1972, and she is the fourth Elizabeth in her family. So let me go back, 1972. It's 2019. Women are doing a lot of things, leading nations, and we always could do these things. But in 1972, it wasn't as many women operating their own businesses. And her mother opened a bookstore in 1972. So she's the fourth Elizabeth in her family, and she has been an Amazon number one selling author twice. She is the owner of Lawless and Company, a creative media and event management firm located in Dallas, Texas. And to date, Liz has has published seven books. The titles of some of her books are Your Bestseller Book, Creative Monster, How to Study the Bible and Building Brain Power, Firing Up Both Brains to Solve Problems and Get Results. We encourage you to visit Ms. Liz Lawless online at LizBookCatalyst.com, and I'm going to spell that L-I-Z-B-O-O-K-C-A-T-A. L-Y-S-T dot com. Let's give Liz a warm off-the-shelf Books Talk Radio. Welcome. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Liz. Thanks, Denise. I appreciate it so much. Uh, it's really exciting to be here, and this is a really uh, great birthday gift, too. This is my birthday week, so uh great way to celebrate my birthday, having a conversation about books. I always want to talk about books with people. Well, happy, happy birthday, and we're glad to have you here. Now, the first few questions I'm going to ask you, Liz, I ask every guest on Off the Shelf because our listeners like a little backstory on our guests before I launch into questions about their books and other projects they might be undertaking. So to begin, can you tell Off the Shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Well, uh, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and as you say, life was really good for me. I grew up in a small community just outside Dallas, Texas. My dad was a coach uh, and a teacher uh, over at the high school, and uh, as you uh, mentioned earlier, my mother was a secretary at first, and then she decided she wanted to open a Christian bookstore, and so 
Um, books were always a big thing for me. I always loved the library. I was a, a big reader. Um, I wasn't a writer, which is really kind of interesting that I'm in the writing business now, but I was always a reader. And then when my mother opened the bookstore, obviously I had access to books, you know, 24, you know, 7 pretty much, uh, and so uh, so books were always a big thing. Um, I grew up in a small community with friends. I had six or seven friends that I'm still friends with today. Um, you know, we knew all our neighbors. We ran up down the streets. We played games. We played hide-and-seek. You know, we went in and out of everybody's house. Um, and it was just a great way to grow up. And I, I really uh, regret that our kids today don't don't have some of that that we had. You, and you know what? That is That is so true. And I've heard... Other people say the same thing. Uh, it's going to so much technology that kids don't almost go outside and play and develop those relationships the way they used to. But we can still encourage our kids to do that. Now, the, my next question, I, I'm always interested in what the guests will respond with. When you were a kid, like you said, you really didn't, like your mother was uh, she had her own bookstore, and, and it doesn't seem like either one of your parents actually wrote, but what did you dream of becoming when you were a little girl? What did you say, this is what I want to be? Well, I really wanted to be a dancer <laughs> in the chorus okay. of all things in that funny. And so I guess that was my main thing. And then, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I was always a, a good organizer. I was always a party planner because, you know, I got along with everybody. I didn't, you know, I didn't have arguments and, fight with people or chase other people's boyfriends or any of that kind of thing, you know. And it, maybe it was because my dad was a coach, so I was always kind of the best buddy uh, with everybody because all of them. So guys played, you know, by baseball or football with my dad. And my, I had an older brother, and, you know, he was kind of a, a, a popular guy, and so everybody liked him, and so it was uh, funny. But that's what I wanted to do. And then when I – actually, when I was in college, I really wanted to write for magazines. I really uh, liked magazines, but – I was in Dallas, Texas, or and in, in, I went to school in East Texas at Stephen F. Austin and came back to Essen Southern Methodist University and got my master's, but they didn't really have publishing down here, certainly not magazine publishing. You know, all of the big publishers were in New York and Chicago, and, and I really just couldn't see traveling because my grandfather had died, and I wanted to spend some time with my grandmother, and so I ended up staying here in Dallas and got into the advertising business, and so, uh, so that's kind of how it started, but... Uh, but an interesting thing is I um, I took a class with my mother uh, uh, just to, for fun over at the junior college, and it was a writing class. It was a creative writing class, and, and that's actually how I got into the writing business. Even though I was a journalism major at school, I ended up in journalism uh, and graduated with a degree in journalism and speech. But it was um, that was my uh, kind of my introduction was a creative writing class at uh, at the community college of all things. So you can start wow. anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you know, and then your advertising background. You know, I'm listening to you talk, and it sounds like the the uh, your path was being mapped out. Whether you, at least this far, whether you you might not have been aware of it when you think about the topic you yeah, went into advertising right. and journalism, and so you know how contacting media and how to do that. It just seemed like it was all mm-hmm. working together. Now, how old were you when you you knew? you were certain that you wanted to be a writer? 
Well, you know, I, when I took this class, I wrote this creative monster story, and that was the first book I wrote. And the instructor said, you know, I think you could sell this as a children's book. This is really interesting. And what's funny is it was the most, uh, it was the most uncomfortable thing I'd ever written. You know, and I'd written a lot of news stories because I worked for the college newspaper for three years, and I wrote stories, you know, every week. And so I, uh, that's how I really started writing, but it was factual journalism writing, and I was really struggling with creativity and could I be do creative writing or spiritual writing because that was kind of where I was leaning. But I uh, wrote this little book, and, and she said, you know, I think you could send this out, and I was just stunned. And I said, well, I was really uncomfortable, and she said, that's why it's better than you think it is. So when you're uncomfortable with things, you got to learn to live with that. And as you get older as a writer, you, you learn to do that. But new writers don't know that. You know, they think, oh, well, it's not any good. Well, Mo, maybe it's better than you think it is. Um, and so, you know, we got to not make those judgments early on. But I sent it out uh, to 47 publishers because this was in 1989, so years ago. This was before any online thing, internet existed. Um, the only way you could do was uh, traditional publishing, and they had these wonderful books that had a list of all the publishers, Writer's Market, they still have those books. And you can go and look up all the publishers and find out if you're in a particular genre. And um, those are in the library, and I'm sure it's online now and everything. But um, I sent out 47 letters to different people, and I got, yeah, you you got it, 47 rejections. <laughs> you know, and so it just stabbed you in the heart, you know, because you, you've written this and somebody liked it or thought it would be good, send it out. And everybody rejected it. And I got letter after letter after letter that said, you know, thanks but no thanks. But there were two or three that said, it's different. We like it. We're just not buying anything right now. Um, you know, if you end up self-publishing, you know, contact us. We'll, we'll put it in our catalog or whatever. And so, you know, so I put it away for two or three years. And I went on with my advertising. I started my advertising business and, and you know, started hustling clients that way. But one of my clients was the African American Museum in 1992, and uh, here in Dallas, one of the first African American museums in the country, and they were having a children's book festival, and they said, "Well, you've got a book, don't you?" And I said, well, "You know, I got a manuscript. I don't have a book. <laughs> I got a manuscript that got rejected 47 times." And so, but by then, I had an I had a advertising company. I had an uh, an artist. You know, I had multiple two or three artists that I worked with. I had a printer. And so I went ahead and self-published. Self-publishing was coming on. It's a very original, you know, those were the early days of self-publishing and because uh, that was the alternative at the time to traditional publishing, which was always hard to get in, you know, unless you knew somebody. And it still is today. It's the same. It's not any different. But um but there's so much more opportunity today, so I think it's a great time for people to publish and to write because, you know, you can find your own audience, which you couldn't do. So I went ahead and published my book, and I back then you had to print 5,000 or, you know, to 10,000 books to make it worthwhile to sell to make any money. That was a huge investment, you know, of five or $10,000. But um, then I had distribution. I was like, oh, books, how am I going to distribute? Well, none of the bookstores would talk to you because you were self-published, and I only dealt with traditional publishers. So the only way to sell it was to sell it myself, and which I actually ended up doing. And I so I've been self-publishing since 1992. So, and the book business has changed a lot and stayed the same a lot. <laughs> Sorry. You know, you you are a goal getter. I'm listening to you, 
You just, you know what? I, that it, it takes that. You got forty seven. Oh, it, it does. And yeah, you, just going, you just kept going. You just kept going, and you just kept going, and and trying different things. Because man, if you let a set a setback or rejection stop you, you you're in trouble in this world. If you let that that stop you, you just kept forging ahead. I wanted to ask you when your mother owned her bookstore. I can only imagine the impact that it had on you. How long did she have the bookstore, and did she bring you in there with her, like to help do things? How old were you when she had the bookstore, when you first came in, to see how much of an impact it had on you? And did you go in and help greet customers and do different things? Yeah, sure. I was probably about uh, 11 or 12, and so, oh, okay. uh, so you know, all through my, my you know, middle school, high school days, and like I say, because we lived in a small community and my dad was a coach, I mean, we couldn't go anywhere that, you know, we couldn't go out to eat on Sunday or anywhere without, saying, you know, seeing somebody that knew my dad or knew my mother, because people came in the store all the time, and, and there were mm-hmm. probably... 20 or 30 churches kind of in this one little community where we lived and you know but you had to drive downtown to get to a bookstore because there was only one or two you know bookstores at that time in our community and even though it was Dallas and it was a you know fairly large city at the time but um, but yeah so I would go up and I would sit and read the books and you know and the shelving and inventory and all that kind of stuff we had to count it back then you know you had to count all the books you didn't have those scanners like now you just scan the book you know and it goes into the computer, you know. We had to do all that by hand. And um, so there were, you know, my mother bought from, you know, probably 50 different publishers, and she had these big catalogs. So we had a whole shelf in the back, or in the office area back at the back, and had all the catalogs for all the publishers, you know, that published books. And so I was always looking through those. And, and so I'm sure that had more of an impact than I realized, you know, until you just asked me the question that, um, you know, I had to, Access and that—that's an important thing too. You know what it, especially for information and knowledge. Uh, the more access you have, um, the more opportunity I think that gives you. And so, uh, so that's why we need to offer opportunity to our children. That's why we need to encourage them to read, go to the library to to tell stories. And one of the things we do is we tell kids go to the oldest person in your family. And ask them to tell you the stories that their parents and grandparents told them. And then they get the history because, see, they told their own stories. They told the family stories. They told the stories of the community or the the heroes in the communities. And it might have been an Uncle John or an Aunt Mary or whoever. But what happens is years go by, we start to lose those stories because there's only one family historian. And that person has all the family mm. stories and all the letters or all the documentation or all the photos. And then that person dies off and then nobody knows what anything about anything, you know. So we try to encourage children, especially younger children, you know, to do that so that they have that connection to their past. Because that's another thing we're losing, you know, we're losing that connection to our heritage and our past. and. Uh, and everybody's heritage and past is important, and our stories are important. So no, and I so agree. There you go. I so agree. And, you know, we got the 23 and Me, and you can. that's one way you can find out, oh, my God, they take you way back. And I haven't done that, but I know of people who have, and they, they're always shocked at some of the findings. Right. But then again, as you, you share your oral history, which 
across cultures, that was just something that was done. You you just did it. Uh, you shared your oral oral histories, and like you said, we're we're losing track of that. But hopefully, with this some emphasis on genealogy, that maybe that will come back again because we yeah. learned the twenty three and me that what somebody five generations ago was dealing with somehow it's back. And we're dealing with it, yeah. whether it's in our health or some other kind of way. So it is important. Now, what inspired you, Liz, to write your bestseller book, Five Steps to Quicker Publishing Success? What What made you want to write that particular book? Well, I I had always published for myself, and as you know, I had published my own books, but I never really had helped other people publish. And I had a, a friend who was a doctor who really got taken advantage of by one of the vanity presses, I mean, by hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I was really kind of mad, so mad about that. And he had 4,000 books, you know, in his garage. And he was like, Liz, i got to do 4,000 books. I don't know what to do with them. He was brilliant. He was a brilliant kidney specialist, of all things, doctor. But he didn't know anything about publishing. And all he did was ask around, and people taught him to go to these people. And, you know, they charged him fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 or whatever, and he had four or 5,000 books. And I guess they sold a 1,000 of them. They did him a party and a book signing, and, and they got him one review. And I said, are you kidding me? I mean, I was just I was just so stunned. <laughs> I couldn't, I, and I got so mad about it. And I started helping him, and that's kind of how I got into helping other people publish in the last five or six years here. So, um, and then I had a, I had a, a client who called a friend called me from California that said I got to be on stage in February. This was at Christmas. I got to have a number one best selling you know ebook. You know, can we do it? Luckily, she had the book written. She just hadn't published. And I said, Well, sure we can. I had no idea <laughs> if we can do it or not. But you know, I'm all about saying yes and figuring out how. You know, that's the space we live in. Let's do, yeah, let's do it. You know, any challenge, let's take it on. So um, we actually uh, did. We went to number one in 10 hours, and I about fainted. She about fainted. And uh, and she she had a fairly good following because she had been on, she was she was promoting social media and how to be, a, a, basically how to be a, a known, you know, make yourself known in social media. And that was what her book was about. And so she had post, she posted on a regular basis and she had a following an audience and uh, you know but it was uh, it was an exciting time and, and that showed me that we could do it and I didn't really kind of know how then I had to back it out and figure out how it, how it worked and and so I spent a year or two doing that and then I met a, uh, she was on stage and she said you know my publisher and I helped me do this and uh, and two or three people came up to her afterwards and said who's that publisher you were talking about and. Uh, one of the ladies called me, and she was a weight loss. Her husband was a bariatric surgeon in Virginia, one of the best in the country, and they were going to do us wanting to do a series of books about weight loss because they kept having to answer the same question, you know, over and over again. And so they thought, well, if they put it in a book format and gave it out as a book, you know, that would just solve a lot of their, you know, initial problems or questions with people. And so. Um, we started working together. We took their three books to number one, and uh, and then she she and I kind of began to partner on things because she likes the marketing and the the technology piece of it, and I'm more of the layout, the formatting, the uploading, you know, the editing uh, piece of things. And so it was a nice partnership. And we said, you know, we need to put something together for people that answers some of those initial questions for them because we found that the biggest thing that people's problem they had was defining who their audience was. You know, everybody, they thought the book was for everybody. Mm-hmm. And when you're writing fiction, 
it, it can be for more people. But when you're writing nonfiction, which is what we kind of focus on, your audience, your your book is not for everybody. The more you can target the person that will buy your book, the better off you are. And most people write the book, and then they think about who they're going to sell it to. That mm. needs to be the very first question, ah. especially if, like you say, in nonfiction. And fiction is not quite as it's quite as necessary, but it still is. I mean, you need to really don't determine if you're writing for men or for women. Uh, because they they hang out in different places, you know, and so once mm-hmm. you get to the marketing standpoint, and they think in different ways too, obviously, and so you've got to, um, you know, if you can find that person and write to that person, you know, create that avatar, that audience first, that one person that you, and they tell you the same thing in speaking, you know, find that one person to speak to, um, and then, you you know, it's more of a relationship and a conversation, But but that's the thing that people forget to kind of do is, Who's their ideal, the I, you know, I D E A L, the ideal audience person that needs your book? How, who can your book help the most? And for us as writers, if we, have, if one person gets something out of the book or the, the, what we wrote, we're happy. You know, most of us don't care about selling millions of dollars. I mean, we'd like to. We'd like to our books to make money, and we're, we'd like to get repaid for the time and energy and efforts that we spend, but, you know, but if most of us, a lot of us are writing because we want to help somebody else. We share, we're sharing our story because we think that hopefully one, you know, it'll help somebody else because um, we experience something um, and it, it can be a positive something or it can be a negative something that we've come through. But if we can help share that and it helps somebody else, then, you know, that's, that's the the heart and soul thing of it for for people, I think, for us. And if you're writing fiction, it's entertainment, and the people need that too. We especially need that today, with as you talked about technology and the stress and the you know bombarded by all this uh, the stuff that we're bombarded with every day. Uh, we need a break, and reading uh, helps us do that. Mysteries and thrillers and romance or science fiction or you know whatever it is. Um, you know, if you've got a desire to do that, we encourage you to do it. Pick up the pen and, and start writing or pick, get your computer and start typing. I still write longhand. <laughs> so wow. You know, oh, impressive. So. <laughs> oh, impressive, impressive. I was going to ask you, and you yeah. sort of alluded to that to this question uh, when you were responding to uh, the previous question, but I was going to ask you, is your bestseller book, Five Steps to Quicker Publishing Success, I was going to ask you, is it geared toward fiction or nonfiction books? And can somebody who writes fiction benefit from what you share in the book? Um, I think they can. And certainly the, you know, the, the publishing and the marketing is kind of the same. The the um, the characterization and all of that and the story writing, the, the initial writing piece is different. Um, because usually when you're writing nonfiction, you're either doing a system or a process or, you know, factual things or, you know, step-by-step uh, step kind of thing for how somebody does something to be successful or, or achieve a, a, a better result, whether that's their health or their finances. So when you're writing fiction, you know, you like you say, you've got to have plot, you've got to have character, you've got to have, you know, you've got to have, um, those peaks and those um, those opportunities for the reader, you know, to get interested, to to be figuring it out with you, to be wondering where the story is going, um, and so the writing piece is different. But it, when it comes to publishing, the formatting is you know maybe a little bit um, 
similar. I mean, if you're writing a children's book, you've obviously got illustrations uh, and, and text, whereas a lot of times with a fiction book, you've just got text. But you got to format the same if you're selling on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iBooks or, you know, or Apple or, or any of the other platforms. You know, they have a certain format they want it in. So that formatting is the same. Uh, the uploading is the same. The, the setting up an account is usually pretty similar. Um, and today, on most platforms, you can create your, a free account. You can upload your work for free, and most of them take a percentage on the back end if it sells. Um, so that's another reason why I think it's the greatest time to publish because it's so much easier than it used to be. Obviously, when I started, you know, you had to lay it out, you had to send it to a printer, you had to print multiple copies, you know, then you had to try to figure out how to sell those copies. Um, you, and you still have to do the marketing piece. And I think the marketing things in our book, uh, Five Steps, will, um, you know, there's there's stuff about media, there's stuff about book signings, or there's some, uh, you know, there's some different marketing strategies that we've used that have seemed to work for people. Um, the the bad news is there's not one thing that works for everybody. <laughs> you know, we've been looking for that one thing that works for everybody. Uh, and there's really not because, like you say, it, it's a different audience um, and a different person that's purchasing that book based on what the book's about and the genre and stuff. So, um, so I think those two things, creating your book, publishing, and then marketing, I think those would be helpful. And we, we talk about conquering fear. You mentioned it at the very first. That fear keeps people from moving forward, and so what we try to encourage people to do is take one action. You know, sit down and write for ten minutes every day if you can, or an hour every week, or you know, take a, a couple hours off or a half day off once a month, and just sit down and either outline or write or journal. You know, however you do it, because we all do it differently. I mean, because I come from a journalism background. I don't have a blank page. There's no such thing in my life as, as, a, as a blank page. I never have writer's block because I can always say who, what, when, where, how, why. Right. You know, that's how journalism writing starts. My friend, uh, my partner, Carol, uh, published with me, um, she she likes to go off for the weekend, you know, and just take a couple of days and write, write, and write, and write, and write, and write, and write everything she can down that she can think about research and you know she pulls all the research together and takes that with her and then she writes it all and then she starts editing um so so everybody does it different and my my doctor friend that i was talking about earlier he journaled he did actually myspace post if anybody remembers that yeah 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 <laughs> the they have it around too. social media you yeah. and i know because you've been in this for 14 years so you know but but some people don't remember that there was a MySpace, and that's what he was doing. He was actually posting stories about the hospital. He was an ER physician, and his book is called ER Confessional. So he was, and everybody always wanted to hear the stories, you know, from the ER. Because and so he was posting those stories. So he just took his series of blog posts, basically what we would consider today, blog posts, and put them together um, as a book. So you. You know, there's lots of different ways that you can write. And you don't have to be a great writer today. I mean, I really hate to say that. But um, if you are you don't feel like you're a great writer, you can interview other people and put that together as a book. Or you can, you know, if you don't like to sit down and write, you can record. 
You know, you can do a radio show or you can do a podcast or you can do a YouTube channel. Um, that's a lot scarier to me. <laughs> you know, being on a video camera is, is weird, man. You know, being on a video camera is a lot weirder to harder for me than, you know, being on the radio show or just standing up in front of 10,000 people and talking. Yeah, I can do that all day long. But put that video mm. camera on me and I like a deer in the headlights. You know, like freeze up. <laughs> so we all have our... We all have our idiosyncrasies and our fears, you know, but don't let that stop you. If you're people, whoever's listening today, if you want to write books, it's a great time to be a writer. Um, It's not easy and you're not going to get rich overnight. You know, it's a process. Writing uh, this journey in the book business is a process and you have to enjoy the journey, you know, enjoy the writing piece of it and then the publishing. And you always make more money if you sell yourself. I mean, you know, you're going to make uh, online, most people take 30 40%. You make the difference, but you also have to take out the price. If it's a printed book, you know, yeah. you have to take out your production cost first, and then you split what's ever left after that. Um, but it, you can usually purchase a book for 3 or $4, maybe 5 or 6 if it's got color photos, if it's a children's book or, or a photography book, for instance, or a few more. But, um you know, you can turn around and sell that book for, you know, seven, ten, fifteen, twenty dollars and you know, you, you just uh you just make more money when you try to sell yourself. But a lot mm-hmm. of writers don't like that. You know, the marketing is the the, the booger you know, it's the boogeyman. Oh yeah, if you self publish, that's all on you. Even if you go to a t- yeah. traditional publisher, writers say more and more of it is still on the writer unless you're a Stephen King or you got to be a huge name before the publisher will take right. on the bulk of that. You still have to, to know how to how to market, which leads me to this, uh, Liz. You, this is something you talk about in, in uh, your best-selling book. How mm-hmm. does a writer discover her book's her his book's purpose and in a way that not only for nonfiction but for fiction writers too because even a novel would serve a purpose i'm sure how does how does a writer if that's a key component to taking your book to bestseller status how does a writer discover what the purpose of his or her book is well in the section we talked about the audience you got to think of how somebody is going to be searching for that uh that book or why they would be looking for something and so um, you know, as you talked about the, your, the book earlier, uh, Love Pour Over Me, if, if somebody's looking for something about alcoholism or they're looking about surviving, you know, um, uh, trauma or, uh, you know, alcohol or, or abuse or whatever that might be, I mean, those are the key words and things that you need to put in your marketing. You know, those are the, the you need to write that somehow into your copy so that when somebody searches for that, it comes up uh, in, in, in the back end. You know, it's called search and optimization. The same thing for a number one bestseller. The way we take people to number one is we look at the book, we go in and we figure out, you know, who the competition is. There are different categories on Amazon especially, uh, and, and bestseller markets too. They have different categories, and so you have to find, there's usually a, a overall like a big category, and then there are subcategories. So, for instance, for fiction, like you say, if you're writing mystery, mystery might be and suspense might be the big category, but under that you might have police detectives or 
uh, or private investigators or uh, military or, uh, you know, so some, you know, you might have those different subcategories and your book might fit better into that. It, you know, if you've got a policewoman, uh, you know, who's solving the crime in your book, who's the main character in your book, then you would want to, you know, to include your your book in that category because Amazon allows you like one main, two main categories and then some subcategories. Um, and so that's how you get um, further up. You obviously have to sell some books too, um, but it's interesting. You might have to sell 50 books or you might have to sell 200 books or 500 books. If you're in weight loss, that's a huge category, so you may have to sell three or four or 500 books to get up in the top five or ten. Um, if you're a children's book and you're writing about animals and you're writing about dogs who are teaching kids, you know, values, like how to share, and you've got two little dogs that are talking about how to, you know, why you should share uh, with your friend who lost his money or lost it, you know, can't have pizza because he, he lost his money on the playground or something. I mean, that's kind of a, it's just a theme type thing. Um, that might only need to sell, you know, 50 books because there's not as many books in that category at any given time. Um, does that make sense or am I just confusing? Yeah, no, and you know that audience, is the thing. But... <laughs> no, that is the thing uh, with Amazon. Anybody who sold or marketed a book can check in their stats and analytics can see how you can jump if you sell just 10 books. or And then, like you say, some categories don't have as many books, so you could you wouldn't have to sell as many uh, copies to go higher up in in the ranking. Right, to go higher but, up in the list, exactly. <laughs> and, and once you rank, and the other bad thing is it comes and goes, too, and it, it changes every hour, every couple of hours. <laughs> so that's a, the bad news, too. You have to kind of be watching or if you're launching your book or if you're first promoting your book and putting it out there. Um, you know, you can get, be number one and not even know it because if you're not looking at it during the time frame, you know, it can roll up or down because it's, you know, it's it's a continual uh, moving object kind of thing. And as new books come in every day, you know, they they move up down the scale. And as people, as promote, somebody promotes that really big, you know, if it's a, if it's a big publisher, and you can do that too. You can look and see who the public, who's number one, two, three, four, five. And, and I recommend people do that. You should go in and see who your competition is, or you know the the genre you think you want to write in, and find similar books. Um, everybody always says, "Well, my book's different than everybody else's book," or there is no competition. Well, no, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> I mean, if you're writing. You know, if you're writing a kosher yes. cookbook, you may have less competition if you're writing a keto uh, cookbook right. right now because that's the big thing. And so there's thousands of books in that, that cookbooks in that area. But, you know, there's there's some, you know, even if it's another cookbook, if it's Julia Childs or Jacques LePan or, or any of these other people uh, that are on TV, you know, they're your competition even though they're, they're kind of not. You know, even if your book is not exactly like that, Somebody that's looking to buy a cookbook is looking to buy a cookbook, and in their mind, you know, they're if they're looking to buy a kosher cookbook, then they're gonna, and you've got kosher in your, you know, language or in your title or in your subtitle, especially, and that's kind of what we recommend you do. You know, you have your main title, which is kind of short, and then you can always add kind of a subtitle that has some of those key words in it about what people are doing. Now, that's harder with fiction. I mean, that's certainly it's much easier with a nonfiction book. Uh, it's harder with a children's book or with a with a fiction book. Um, but, um, 
you know, you need to start building your following now. If you're writing your book and you're not going to publish for three months or six months, you you know, you need to start either posting about it or you need to kind of start an email or you need to, you know, send a note to people and say, you know, I'm writing this book, I'm, I'm looking to publish in, in six months or in December, you know, September. If you give yourself a deadline and you tell somebody else about it, what do you do? You're much more likely to accomplish that <laughs> because you've told somebody. Yeah, so you got to be careful who you tell because there are a lot of people close to you that will try to t- talk you out of it, and that's what's the, the real shame. The real shame is that the people close to us are sometimes the biggest negative influence in our life when we want to do something that's a big dream. We talked about dreams earlier, and that's certainly true. First, you got to have that dream to write, and you got to have that dream to publish, and you got to have that dream to want to be a bestseller. And if you have that fire, then you won't let other people keep you from doing what you want to do, and and that's what you've got to do. You know, you've got to be your own best uh, cheerleader, I guess, is uh, is the best way to say that. And you can't, um, because because people are really trying to protect you. They really don't. They're not. They don't. Most people don't mean it in a bad way. They just don't want you to get hurt, or they just don't want yeah. you to be disappointed. They also don't, mm-hmm. you know, they also think you might change, and you might leave them behind, and you might not be their friend anymore, you might not, whatever it is. You know, all we all have those things whirling around in our mind that, you know, that inhibit us, which we got to get rid of. Uh, we just got to overcome. We just got to say, thanks, appreciate you sharing that, but no, I'm going to do this. And you take yeah. one creative action, some action. You call somebody, you know, you go to a writer's conference, you listen to a podcast with, with Denise Turney that's talking about books, and whatever that one thing, you do one thing to get you through through the challenge or through the, the limitation, and then, you know, and then you can go on to the next thing. So you just... Uh, you know, like they say, writing is wonderful. It's a wonderful life. It's uh, adventurous. Uh, you know, you got to look at it as an adventure and a journey and not get caught up in one small thing, you know, or one yes. big thing. Uh, but you got to surround yourself with other writers or other authors or people who want to achieve a similar dream uh, because, they may not, you know, you may not have somebody in your immediate circle uh, that wants to do the same thing you want to do. And so if you go, you know, outside that circle and find that one or two people or somebody that you can talk to who's encouraging you, um, you know, and and you need a couple of those people and, you know, we call them kind of the inner circle and, you know, a couple of those people that will be that, you know, person that when you're down, they'll say, no, no, you know, you can do do this. Just keep going. Uh, One of the things that we do have in our book is we have like a checklist. So we have a writing checklist, we have a marketing checklist, a publishing checklist. And so it's a series of like 10 questions that you can ask yourself, uh, you know, about, you know, what you're doing. And and one of those things, I was just going to read a couple of things for the marketing checklist. Um, Because like you say, that, that really is, you can... You can figure out the writing piece. You can easily figure out the publishing piece, but it's the marketing piece. You know, so you need to develop a budget. That's a, a critical thing yes, that most, yep. I think, writers and publishers don't do is, you know, create some kind of a budget for your publishing projects, 
and that needs maybe have some writing, you know, things, some publishing and some marketing. The writing is going to be maybe an editor. You really got to have a good editor. You can't. Yes, yes. I don't edit That's, my own stuff. Yeah, don't do forget that you one. You send your stuff out. Yeah, do, do yeah, work so with an a professional editor. Professional editor. Mm-hmm. Is key. Um, probably a book design is another key thing just because, you know, it's going to have to go up and down. It's going to have to scale. When you see it on Amazon, you know, it's going to be like a postage stamp. So if you've got a whole bunch of copy or you've got a real, you know, you've got uh, a lot of detail in the background, it may be harder to see because, you know, most people think you're going to see a book, you know, seven by nine or five and a half by eight and a half or, you know, trade size published, you know, like a trade size book. Well, the problem is on the screen, sometimes it's not going to be that big, you know. I mean, eventually it will. It's on it. It will open up and you can make it bigger. Um but you know, maybe you know, maybe a graphic designer or a formatter for the, on the publishing end, or somebody that can help you, um, you know, upload it to all your platforms. Maybe a technical person. You know, you're going to need a website. Uh, it doesn't have to be a big website. It doesn't have to be fancy. But you're going to need a basic website because you want to be able to send people to a place where they can connect with you. And if you're not doing a lot of social media, then you got to have a website. If you're if you do social media, if you're on a Facebook or an Instagram or a uh, YouTube, whatever it is, you don't maybe need it as well. But you still want the website because you always make more money if you sell yourself versus selling through other people, and that other platform can go down at any time, you know. And then you don't have any control over, you know. You and I don't control Amazon. We don't control Barnes and Noble. We don't control, you know, Smashwords. They could go out of business or they could get bought out by a competitor who shuts you down. And then you've got nothing. You know, you're you're just hanging out there. So we always recommend that people get at least their own website and their name or their book name or the book title or something. And you should do title searches too because people come up with great titles and they think nobody else thought of it. But guess what? <laughs> There's probably somebody else out there that has a similar name. There you go. You said it. So you got to check, you know, you got to check that and and not be locked in with the very first thing because that's another career thing. The book I have about building brain power is all about um, letting the creative thoughts flow and writing down 20 or 50 or 100 thoughts or titles. And then coming back and, you know, and, and editing it down and, you know, filing it down and seeing if somebody else has it. And uh, Because, you know, our first, a lot of times we think our first thought is our best thought, but it's really not. Because our mind has to get into action. It has to get into that creative flow. And once you get into that creative flow, uh, things begin to, more thoughts come. And when you think about this, it connects to that. And, and then all of a sudden you've got something new. And so that's uh, the mind just works that way, and it, it, it needs input. And so, you know, you should um, also look in other areas. Just because you're not into gardening or automotive or outdoors or um, cooking or whatever, it doesn't mean that you can't um, find a nugget in that uh, area and, and convert it over to what you are doing. So... So the budget is a big thing that people don't think about. Um, and then you obviously got to market, you know, budget some money for marketing. It may be $200, it may be $2,000, just depending on what kind of genre you're in and what kind of market you're in. Um, 
you know, you need to identify some resources and start that now. Uh, are you going to need a graphic designer? Are you going to need an editor? Are you going to need a publisher? Are you going to need somebody to help you with a website? Are you going to need, and if you go to like chamber meetings or club meetings or writers meetings, you know, you meet those people and you take their card and keep their card because you might not need them today, but maybe three months from now when you're finished writing, you go, oh, I need that person. Where's that card? Oh, I met that person yeah, at that yep. meeting, and I don't remember their name, or it was, you know, mm-hmm. her name was Liz, and she did publishing, but oh, how am I going to find her now? Well, if you had my yeah. card, or you had, you know, had a conversation with me, and went immediately home and put it in your file, <laughs> you know, and said, you would, I you would, you would, I'm going to contact you, would, you'd be able you, would, to, you know what, there, do that. there's some, there's something you said, I, 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 um, really uh, piggybacking on, on uh, having a budget. And then when it comes to marketing, do do some research before. At the very top of the show, you talked how you got involved. You had a friend, um, uh, he was in surgery, and he got he paid all this money for like 40,000 or 4,000 copies of books, and then he's left sitting after he sells 1,000 books with, with all these books. So really do your research before you – pay money for a printer if you're going to self-publish because you can get ripped off there, and I know of people who have yeah. been. But but do your research and talk to other writers, and that's where going to the writers' conferences, and you start talking to people and asking them for recommendations and suggestions and then doing your online research before you start spending money or, or on different companies. Like I tell people, a literary agent right. will, will charge you a fee to read your work. There's certain things that – People who are on the up and up, they won't charge you fees for them. They, You won't get these exorbitant fees or charges to do Fine. something that a, 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 a professional person would do for free. So, so do your research, and that's a good benefit for going to writers' conferences, especially when, when you're starting out. But there was something else you said. You said get your own website because we don't control Amazon. We don't control Barnes & Noble. And I would recommend even beyond that, keep your own, like, contact list, whether you start a newsletter mm-hmm. and you have contacts in it, you have people's names, right. their email address. When you go to events and you sell your books, have a sign-up sheet so they can sign up if, uh, to get your newsletter, their name, their email address. Cause what would you do if Twitter Twitter didn't shut down, but they told you we don't want you, you can't come back on, or Facebook told right. you you can't. Well, then you don't have no way to reach all those people that you were, you were reaching, so make yeah. sure you keep your on, on contact list as well. We are coming down to ten minutes, and I have so many questions I want to ask you. But can you share? Can, no, no, no. Can you share steps? Uh, uh, steps, uh, Liz. You've you've given so much good information. So, and I hope that our listeners may go back and listen again and take notes the second time they listen mm-hmm. to to what you share. But can you share three steps to building a book marketing team? How do you build a book marketing team? Well, and I think that's an interesting thing too because you're, you're seeing that a little bit more. You, you know, you see a lot of. Uh, that's one of the other things is is find you know those five or ten people that will help you promote your book. Um, it may be another author that you meet and y'all can cross promote. It may be somebody in a different uh, genre in a complimentary place. Uh, but you got to do that ahead of time. You can't wait till the week you're publishing your book or you're launching your book and call somebody and say, oh, would you email us to your list? 
Well, no, they've got they, you know they've got their own business that they're running, their own you know their own pro- program, and they've got to have time to feed it in. So one of those things we would recommend, like you say, three months, six months, even twelve months out, is you know start finding those connections, those people that either like you or like what the subject matter or have some affinity for the subject matter you're talking about that would be willing to share. And you just ask them. You know, you just have to ask, would you be willing to send an email to your list uh, when I promote my book, you know, in six months? I'll send you the link. I'll send you the information. Um, and, you know, if you if you would help me promote that, I'd be glad to do the same for you. You know, and you, you got to have something to kind of give back to. I mean, you got to be willing to uh, to do something for them. Um, they might not want you to do an email. They might want you to just introduce them to somebody that you know. Uh, you know, and so if you can do that ahead of time and start to make that list, like you say, and especially to have some kind of consistent communication, even if it's a newsletter once a month or it's a post once a week or or whatever, but you always got to drive, you know, ask people to share their email if they're interested. Um, you know, you're not going to send them something every day. You're not going to spam them. You're not going to sell the list. Um, but, you know, if they're if they're a friend or they're interested in what you're doing and they'd like to be on your list, you know, you you got to ask for that too. And it's amazing. We just expect people to do things. Well, people aren't going to just do things. They're just too busy. You know, they've got their own agenda. They've got their own life going on. And unless you say bye today or, you know, will you do this for me a month from now or or whatever, you know, it is, uh, they're not going to do it. So team, I guess, is, is what it used to be called. You used to have a street team, and they would go out and put flyers out, you know, on all the cars in the parking mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, that's how we yeah. do events for years, you know. And they still do that. But, you know, so it's kind of your online street team. You know, get those four or five or ten people uh, that will help you promote your stuff when the time comes. And it and it, it may be your draft artist. It may be your web person. It may be your publisher. I mean, you're going to have those two or three people maybe. But find those other four or five people um, and develop relationships with them over time and do something for them. Uh, it may be an article, or, you know, they may be writing about something different and you can, you know, buy their book and put a review up. You know, reviews always help uh, authors uh, because people do look at the reviews and decide whether they're going to buy. And as you mentioned, uh, look, at, you know, find out the information. Go in and search people out. Don't just deal with somebody, you know, because they call you and you think it's a good deal. Uh, or because you think it's a reasonable deal, always talk to two or three, you know, people, or um, and always, like you say, get referrals from somebody else uh, because there are a lot of people that are out there that will take advantage of you. And, mm-hmm. and the second guy we worked with, he got taken advantage twice as much, you know, because he got hardbacks and paperbacks. <laughs> and then I was really, <laughs> wow. then I was really on fire about helping people because you know they were just. You know, you hate to say it, but people will. So you got to protect yourself. You got to be smart. You got to do, you know, do your research. Um, check things out. You you can Google people now. You can, 
you know, you can, like you say, if you go to a conference and actually meet people in person, I mean, obviously that's always the best way, but you can't always do that. or You can't afford to do that. Uh, but you can, you know, go online and type somebody's name in or type somebody's business in and see if any comments come up, you know, good or bad, and make your decision, you know, and that way you make smarter decisions. But the more information you have, the better decisions you can make, I think. So, uh, uh, so I quickly, helpful, but, I, but those would be the things, yeah. Thank you. Quick, quick, quick question. Um are you what do you what have you seen as far as marketing where it comes to free giving away free books versus uh just starting to sell your book at its regular price as soon as the book's published which which have which would you recommend based on your experience well, well we don't do free anymore unless you've got multiple books i mean if you've got two or three books you're at a conference or something like we're going to the Texas Library conference in a couple of weeks and so our author that has, you know, four or five children's books or poetry books, I mean, they can afford to give the first one for free and then people will buy the other books. Um, we started when I was telling you earlier about my, my friend with the social media. We did free for a couple of days and then we went to sold for a couple of days. And she actually down got a 1,000 downloads. Well, if we'd have known better, you know, if I knew what we knew now, we would have done, we would have, we wouldn't have done free. We would have done probably 99 cents or $1.99. And that would have been, you know, a, a huge discount off the nine ninety nine regular retail price or the fourteen ninety nine price, and you know, people would have bought. She'd have made a thousand dollars instead of not, you know. And I always mm-hmm. like for people to make money on their books because right. I know they've spent a lot of time and energy and effort. Um, so I wouldn't do free anymore unless, like you say, you've got two or three books and you, you can you can afford. If you've only got one book, you really can't afford to do it for free. But you can do a half deal for, you know, 48 hours or um, I, I wouldn't do more than two or three days. The only reason I would do, I'd do the two or three days is because not everybody's on every day like we are. If you're in the business, you're on every day. You're on your computer every day. You're on social media. You're on your email. Uh, but not everybody is like that. And so sometimes you have to give people a couple of days to see it because they don't see it the first time it comes up. Um, uh, but you can do, you know, you can do a special deal for for a short period of time, and then go to your retail price. Um, especially if you're doing an online, and, you know, same thing. If if you've got a book that's fourteen ninety nine, and you're out of the show, you might sell it at ten dollars just because that's easy. You know, people if they have cash, they can just give you the ten or twenty do change. If you do fourteen ninety nine, then you gotta, you know, you gotta make change. And then if you start adding tax in, you gotta do that. Now you need to add the tax, but you just say the tax is included, and you figure out if that's eighty three cents or if that's a dollar twenty seven. You know, based on where you live, the tax, the sales tax rate is different, and so you just include that in your price. So maybe you do a fifteen dollar price and that includes the tax because it's a fourteen ninety nine book and the tax on it is going to be a dollar you know sixty eight or twenty eight or whatever. Um and then you gotta keep track of that too because eventually if you start to sell enough books, you know, you're gonna have to put you know, you're gonna have to declare that on your taxes and then you're gonna need to pay the sales tax to your local state government because you want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and that's the business of being a writer. And it is a business. 
And that's the other yes, thing. Yes, it is. Say, before, <laughs> before we end, it's really a business. You have to look at it as a business and not as a hobby. Um, if it's a hobby, that's great, and you're just writing to yourself and your friends and your family. But if you want to make money, then it's a business. Um, mm-hmm. And you want to recover your cost, your investment of your time and energy and your money, then it, you got to look at it as a business and as a career, as a profession, and you got to treat it as such. You know, you've got to. Uh, to act in a business like manner, you got to get a business name. You got to get a bank account. You, you know, at some point, you may, you know, you'll have to have a CPA because you can include that as income if you make income, and hopefully you will. Um, and certainly, if you stick with it and you, you know, you do uh, take some action every week or every month or every day, um, you can. You know, you can yeah. create a business around your books and around being an author, um, and it's not easy, and you're going to be discouraged. But So, so you got to find positive people. you got to find role models um, and people that, you know, mentors or whatever. And uh, But it's a, it's a great life. It's a great adventure. It's great fun. Uh, you know, it's, it's probably more fun than anything else I've done, and I've done a lot of things in 30 or 40 years. I know you have too. Um, and we keep doing it. And the reason mm-hmm. we keep doing it is because we we love it. <laughs> That's true. That is true. And it it can be challenging, but you do, like you said, you have to stay positive and surround yourself with positive people. But you shared so many tips today, and I thank you on the, the, the whether you should offer free or discounted book for our listeners, building your street team or your book marketing team, a good time to start marketing, the checkbook that is in uh, Liz's uh, Liz's book, building, uh, uh, getting to, getting that bestseller book, uh, your bestseller book, Five Steps to Quicker Publishing Success. There are tips and things in there. Although it's geared more toward nonfiction books, there, as you can tell from listening to Liz here on Off the Shelf this morning, there's information in your bestseller book, Five Steps to Quicker Publishing Success, that could benefit even a, a writer of a nonfiction a fiction book. Whether you're published with a traditional publisher. You want to go out and market. That's how Terry McMillan got out there. She just started sending postcards on her own. But whether you want right. to do it yourself or yourself publish, you have to do it yourself. There's tips in there that that can benefit you as well. Where can off the shelf listeners get copies of your books, Liz? Um, well, they could go. Uh, certainly, the easiest way is to go to Amazon.com, and it's uh, it's Liz Wallace or Elizabeth Wallace, E L I Z A B E T H L A W L E S S, as an outlaw. Uh, we're all about renegade thinking, and you don't have to spend a lot of money. You know, a, a small amount of money will get you uh, down the road. You know, but uh, but our books are there. Our website at Liz. Bookcatalyst.com. I think you mentioned that earlier. That's LizBookCatalyst.com. You can follow me on social media. It's author Liz Lawless. Um, I have a Facebook page, a Twitter page, a LinkedIn page, and there. And uh, and then we do events, like you say. Throughout, we, we're in Texas. We're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So, uh, but we tra- do travel around some, and so we put our events on the, the calendar on our website. So if you go to the website, you can see where we're going to be. We're going to be in Austin in a couple weeks. Uh, we're in McKinney. We're going to be uh, maybe down in Houston. Uh, so if you're in those different areas, um, come see us for sure. Come by and introduce yourself and 
And I thank you so much for the time today. It's always great to talk with somebody who's uh, an author themselves and who uh, loves books. And I appreciate all you're doing, Denise, to help people uh, who want to follow their dream of uh, being a, a published author. Thank you so much, Liz. We have had the pleasure of speaking with Ms. Liz Lawless. She's owner of Lawless and Company, a creative media and event management firm based out of Dallas, Texas. She has events coming up, so encourage you to, to bookmark her page at L-I-Z-B-O-O-K-C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T.com, LizBookCatalyst.com. And one of the books that we talked about, she actually has several but it was your bestseller book. That's the one we talked about. She has a checklist in there, and should you offer your books for free or discount, building your street team or your book marketing team, finding your book's purpose. Those are just a few of the things included in her book that we touched on today. So I encourage you to get a copy of that as well, your bestseller book by Liz Lawless. So thank you to Liz and to each of our listeners. For those who came in midstream or you, you want to um, get more information about uh, what Liz shared, and you want to take notes, you can go back after the show finishes streaming and and go back and listen and take notes on the show. So thank you, Liz, for being with us here today on Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio. Remember to each of our listeners, you are awesome. You are amazing. You are incredible. Go and create a fabulous day for yourself. See you back here next Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bye for now, and Liz, I'll shoot you an email. Thank you.